All right, welcome back to another Shifting Schools Off the Cuff. Trisha, you and I have both been sick the last week, so I'm glad that you're feeling good enough to be in front of the microphone. And uh, we'll just put it out there. If you hear coughing in the background, we are trying to mute our mics as fast as possible while we have our coughing fits, but uh, we are on the mend. Uh, It's funny, we're both sick at roughly the same time, and yet we're literally a continent apart from each other. That's how much empathy you and I have for one another, my friend. Like, you know, one of us gets sick, the other one does too. So yeah, if our voices sound a little funny, it's not a technical glitch, it's just our sinuses. Um, But uh, glad we're feeling well enough to have a conversation today about social media. And listeners, just a reminder, uh, we're having this as our topic of choice because we put it out to our free newsletter subscribers at what they wanted to listen to us chat about. And this was the winner. So if you're listening and you're thinking, I want to vote, I want to make suggestions, when you sign up for our free newsletter over there at shiftingschools.com, that's a great way to inform what we're going to be chatting about on the podcast for our off-the-cuff sessions. Now, Jeff, you and I are both really passionate about having conversations about social media use across the school, right? Not just with not just with students, not just with our peers, not just with school leaders, but making sure that the entire family is a part of that conversation. And I know that you've got a framework that you've developed to help with that conversation. So can you introduce listeners to the framework that you've created? Yeah. And so we've come up with a six-part framework that actually spells out the word parent. Uh, and this is for our parent community, which uh, for some reason right now, I don't know if it's springtime or, or where we're at in the school year, but I'm being asked more and more to come into schools, either virtually or doing some face-to-face uh, trainings with schools. I'll talk about some of the ways that school districts are setting those up because it's just really unique. And I think interesting ways that, that that's going on, but uh, it's a, it's basically a six part framework that is supporting parents in having conversations and setting up more importantly, and I know we're big at this over here at Shifting Schools, is setting up structures to have conversations at home, setting up structures around media use, around technology device use. And it's not just about the kid, right? It's about a family structure. And that's really what this framework is about. It's about setting up the structures at home that support all of us, not just the kids. It supports all of us in being better together. And that's really my passion and that's my focus when I'm working with parent groups is how can we come together as a parent family, as a family, as a community to support each other, to support our children, to make sure that we're all in this together when we're when we're talking about technology, social media, and everything that goes with it. So this episode comes out on Thursday. Friday, March 10th is actual SEL, Social Emotional Learning Day. Listeners, some of you may have heard about that. You'll probably see a lot about a lot about it online. Jeff, I'm wondering how this work that you do with this framework actually helps schools maybe continue to focus on SEL. We know so many different districts, so many different campuses have felt that call to action to make sure that we're doing more with our social emotional learning. What's the tie behind, you know, your your framework maybe, your you know, your your pushing of these conversations and schools continuing to focus on SEL at the same time. Is there a clear link? I think there's a, I think there's a pretty clear link. I mean, there has to be because we know that a lot of what is happening, you know, with children today, 
not all of it, but a lot of it is there's pressure. There's social pressure that is on parents to, to do things a certain way. There is social pressure on students to act a certain way. And any way that we can bring those things together and we can support through the school community. I think where this really, where it really started to hit home with me, the power of schools working with their parent communities, I mean, truly working step-by-step with parent communities, it comes from my wife, who's 20 years a school counselor for 20 plus years. And she was finding out as an elementary school counselor here in the US, and even when she was overseas, probably worse when she was overseas than here at the US actually, But what she was finding out is she was spending her time as a school counselor working with bullying issues, kids being mean to each other. We won't even call it bullying, just being mean to each other, right? Kids being mean to each other, kids not treating each other with respect. And almost every single time, both as a middle school counselor and as an elementary counselor, she was dealing with things that had started outside of school and then had brought their way in, whether it was kids being mean to each other inside of a WhatsApp group, kids being mean to each other, playing at home in front of each other's homes, not even in in technology. But all of a sudden there was all these things that were happening outside of the school day that her as a school counselor is helping students unravel all of that in school. So what we, what she was finding and what, what you still see a lot today, when I talk to school counselors, that's what, what that's usually what we're seeing is this this idea of being mean to each other or the idea of cyberbullying usually is not happening during the school day. It's happening outside of school and then it finds its way into school where we as school counselors as teachers are now having to to deal with it and having to support kids with it. The problem is is if those structures aren't set up at home, you're just sending kids back home where they don't have those structures and hoping that a 13-year-old starts to be more respectful without adult around is a really big hope. <laughs> Not that it doesn't happen, but you're asking you're asking for a teenage brain to do a lot there. And I think that's where this this you know this framework that I've created, the parent framework really looks at how does parents at home set up structures that support school and then how does the school set up the structures that support support that framework at home. And that's where we're seeing I think a lot of the stuff that I'm doing through schools is working with PTAs, working with PTOs of how do we set up these structures? What are some things that we know we have in place at home? And how does that support us here at school? And one of the things in the framework, and I'll just talk about one of my favorite parts of the framework is the letter A in parent. So it's the second one is acceptable use policies. You know, we use acceptable use policies in schools all the time. As soon as we hand students a laptop, we there's an acceptable use policy. And it might not be called an acceptable use policy, but that's what it is, right? You have to sign a piece of paper saying you're going to take care of this. This is the cool part. Acceptable use policies are just part of the world we live in. When you graduate high school and you go get a job somewhere and they give you a device, there's an acceptable use policy. When you go to university, there's acceptable use policies around how you use all of their internal systems. When you go and get your first job at wherever it is, there's an acceptable use policy. What we want to do is we want to start supporting parents in having an acceptable use policy at home. And if we start at a very young age, and of course you can, right, you can scaffold this for whatever age that a student gets their cell phone. It's going to look different when a kid gets their cell phone at age 10 than when a kid is 16 or 17 years old, right? There's that gradual release of responsibility. And we talk about that in the P, which is the plan, but uh, the acceptable use policy, I want an acceptable use policy at home that everybody signs. And the reason why I want that is because then that becomes the document that we point to. 
And we start to take some of the pressure off of parents of having to be quote unquote, the bad guy when you need another 10 minutes on YouTube, or I just need to finish this game, mom or dad. Why can't I just, instead of me being the bad guy, I can say, well, Trisha, we all signed the acceptable use policy right here's your signature as well. And it says that you get 10 minutes a day or you get 30 minutes a day or whatever we agreed upon as a family. And your 30 minutes are up. If, if, if you don't like that, we can go back and renegotiate the acceptable use policy. I'm willing to do that. But your time is up and we've signed this. So I, it's not me being mean. It's the agreement that we decided on is where we can all decide where to hold. And that leads to the thing I love about doing that is we know that rarely today is a child only with their mom and dad or their you know parents. I mean, the parent nucleus family can now have six, eight, 10 people in it. You know, these kids, who knows who's watching them after school and before school. And what we want is an acceptable use policy. And this is the T in parent is teamwork is every adult in that child's life is, is, is looking at the acceptable use policy. So if your kid is going over to your grand or going over to their grandparents' house, the grandparents are part of the acceptable use policy. They know it's only 30 minutes and you can get mad at grandma and grandpa all you want. It says right here, we all signed it. And so I want every adult inside the nucleus of that child to be part of the acceptable use policy, not just the guardians or the parents of that kid. And I think when we start doing that, we start supporting kids on an emotional level, on a social level. And the sooner you start it, the sooner you start putting those structures in place, the sooner that you are able then to have hard conversations as they become preteens, as they become teens, as social media continues to play more and more impact into their lives, you have a a way to have conversations. You can structure those conversations because you've had something in place from the very beginning. The longer and longer we wait to put structures in place, the harder and harder it is to put those structures in place. Uh, And that's just just human nature. You know, it's human nature for all of us. You know, we all hate it when all of a sudden they, you know, they change the way they do lines at the airport. I mean, that just throws people into a tissue because I've been going through the same line the same way for the last 15 years and all of a sudden you change the line. So there's just, I think there's a lot of ways. I mean, social emotional learning is just, it really is the core of what this is. I mean, that is, you know, how does that make you feel? Where do you go for help? I mean, there's all kinds of ways we have these conversations within the framework. So. Yeah, and I think you know, parents and caretakers too will see that a big component of the way they socialize now is also online. So, you know, Jeff, when you're talking about the framework and when you're talking about the a the agreement piece, I think for anyone with classroom experience like us, you know, we are well versed in the art of co-creating agreements, right? We've done it multiple times uh, with lots of different age ranges. Parents and caretakers might not necessarily have that same experience and capacity to how do, you know, we don't want parents just dictating. This is the agreement. Everybody sign it, right? It's about that co-creation. So I'm wondering what opportunities there are for schools who are saying, we want our parent caretaker community to know how to do this and maybe to be a little more well-versed to have that agility in guiding their family through coming up with the agreement. So uh, what kinds of workshops are you offering to schools where you're going to give that support to parents who maybe have never gone through a process like that? Yeah. And that's exactly what 
you know, me coming into a school district or me coming in and doing a parent session, it really is about, it's about taking this framework and we can, you know, with the acceptable use policy, we take 20 or 30 minutes as a family unit to start crafting that. What questions need to be in there? And because it's an acceptable use policy, we want this to be, remember, these aren't rules for a kid. The rules are different. That comes under responsibility. That comes under the R. The acceptable use policy is for the family. So I even help and support when we're doing these workshops, everybody, everybody inside the family and, and we bring families together. So the one that I'm doing here uh, in another month, we're starting a three-part series at a school district here in Washington, Richland School District. Shout out to them. We're doing a three-part series. And part one is we are coming together for 90 minutes. The entire family has to come. So I want the kids and the parents and the grandparents and whoever is part of that family, you're going to come. And we're going to start creating that acceptable use policy. Now, there's a lot of great templates to get you started online. Common Sense Media has a bunch of them. You can go and download, and I'm sure most people listening to this podcast have heard of Common Sense Media. They've got great stuff over there to get you started. But what they don't have, to your point, Trisha, is the conversations. And so what we do in these workshops is we start having conversations that everyone has a voice. And it's really great because, of course, the parents are coming out and say, I don't want you to be playing your video game so much. Great. But what they're usually not used to is a 13-year-old or a 12-year-old to come back to them and say, when you ask me about your day, I wish you really meant it and put down your phone. And we put that into the acceptable use policy, right? We put into the acceptable use policy that as a family unit, when we are having a Friday movie night, nobody's allowed on another device. We're all going to watch the movie and nobody's going to be scrolling in their devices. These are things that we put inside of the acceptable use policy that we as a family are saying, this is how we're going to, we're going to run. And it opens up such great conversations within the family of things that maybe we didn't say out loud before and things that really did hurt us when mom and dad ask you, Hey, Trisha, how was your day? And then they pick up their phone and they start you know, looking up the recipe for tonight's dinner or whatever it happens to be. And so really what we do in these workshops is we're spending time actually building some of this stuff. The way I like to run the workshops is I like a 90 minute workshop. That's usually what we can get. Uh, I usually encourage schools to buy pizza because pizza or food doesn't have to be pizza, but food usually attracts more parents uh, and more kids. But the way we usually set these up is they're 90 minutes long. We do 45 minutes as a family nucleus. And then the students leave and I get 45 minutes just with parents where we get to go deeper. Parents get to ask their questions, questions maybe they don't want to ask in front of their kids because there are topics uh, that they maybe they don't want to or they want, you know, some guidance on some topics with their students. And so we set up these situations where it's 45 minutes as a whole family and then 45 minutes just with the parents. Usually during that time, the other 45 minutes that when the students are gone, we have I've had school districts use a. Uh, they've used the, uh, like student council from the high school. We'll go and run sessions and we'll break the kids up into different groups and they'll do some kind of, you know, digital, digital media literacy thing with kids, you know, who might be, you know, young kids, you know, early, older elementary and the middle school, high school. Um, we've had uh, coaches, if there's a bunch of tech coaches or instructional coaches that come that night, they will actually plan something and have kids run through something and have other conversations based on maybe some of the learning that we did in the first 45 minutes. So school districts have set that up in different ways, but it's been very successful and we've been able to replicate this now. Now, Richland School District has decided to do this three times, which is great because now we really get to go in depth. It's not like we're trying to uncover the entire framework in just 
45 minutes. We can, you know, look at a couple of them and then we're going to come back a month later and we're going to dig deeper into a couple others. And we're going to come back a month later. We're going to dig into a couple others. And so it allows us to slow it down, support families, make sure that we're all on the same page and really, you know, at the end of the day, support kids who are growing up in a, in a media first world, whether you like it or not, we're growing up in a media first world. And so we, how do we support kids in living in that space? Yeah, you know, and I'm I'm thinking as we come up and get closer and closer to summer break, I think this is when it becomes increasingly more important for students. So we might have some listeners who are hearing you talk about these sessions and they're thinking, I would love for our parent caretaker audience to have this. We would need something virtual and maybe we need something asynchronous. And Jeff, you and I have folks reach out to us often and ask us to put something together. If there's someone who's listening and is thinking, I would love Jeff to develop something like that with the framework, can you just walk folks through how to get in touch with you and how much time you would need? I mean, it's, you know, if somebody needs something really specific to their community needs, um, you know, it might be that there's a different app that they're noticing their student body is struggling with or the parent community wants to know more about TikTok um, and what they need to be aware of. Give us sort of a timeline in terms of listeners who are thinking, we'd love to have this ready, maybe to take parents through or to give parents the option to run through it before summer holidays. Um, What should somebody do if they're in that situation? Yeah. So I think the best thing, and of course, everybody knows this, you can head over to shiftingschools.com and fill out the contact form. Um, I believe all of the newsletters now have a direct link to my calendar. You can set up a 30, a 30 minute call with me. Uh, that is completely free. Uh, you can, and we'll chat for 30 minutes and, and see how, how we can make this work. There's all kinds of ways that we can structure it. Uh, depending on depending on your needs and what that might be. I am doing a virtual session and this is perfect, Trisha, right? I'm doing a virtual session for some schools in China and Singapore. And one of their big focus is WeChat. Anybody who has heard uh, anything about China, you know that the world over there runs on WeChat. And so a lot of our conversations around WeChat as a tool and some of the things that parents and the school are seeing happening inside WeChat. So that's going to be a virtual session. Again, it's going to be 90 minutes long. It's set up a little bit differently, but we have different structures now that we can set this up. Um, so if you reach out to me and we can, we can, we can make something work. Uh, I've done everything from where you have the parents all on zoom with me, um, or I've done it where all the parents are in a room and I'm up on the big screen, uh, running the session from there where you have local, you know, leaders, tech coaches, whoever in the room actually supporting the work going on there. So there's a lot of different ways that that we can set it up. Of course, being in person, I I find the best, but, uh, you know, there's a a lot of different structures and ways that we can, we can make this happen, but yes, please do reach out, uh, Jeff at shiftingschools.com, or you can fill out any of the contact forms over at shiftingschools.com or or set up a 30 minute meeting for me. And we'll, we'll have a chat. So it does seem to be on everybody's mind. And I, again, I just, it's really fascinating. You know, I haven't done any of these since before the pandemic. And all of a sudden in the last month, I've got four on the calendar and I'm just like, wow, what happened? Like what's going on? What all of a sudden there, there's some, and I haven't figured out, did TikTok change something that's got everybody all riled up again? I'm not sure what it is, but Trisha, let's also talk about, I mean, we've got all kinds of great stuff over 
to get people started. If this is something you want to take on as a tech coach or a teacher within your school over at shifting schools under our free guides, we've got a lot of these that you can take and tweak and use and implement around social media conversations with kids uh, that you can do in this, in the classroom, and then maybe even tweak them for parents. Yeah, the the free guide that I would point folks to is entitled Exploring Our Relationship with Social Media. Um, and that guide is is really set up to have folks have multiple conversations because I think our relationship with social media changes as the apps change, right? And as uh, different things happen. So that has conversation starters. It also has a series of experiments that you can try out as a family, as a class. Um, and that kind of came out of, again, we were noticing a lot of people wanted to have this conversation. And we'll also make sure to link in the show notes, a new study came out from the APA, that's the American Psychological Association. It's been talked about kind of all over the media. And, and we'll link to uh, NPR has a, a great kind of little summary of it that talks about when teenagers cut back on their social media use, they feel better about themselves, right? They have a, a dip in anxiety and they see a rise in self-esteem. So the article that we'll link to talks about how in the US, teens spend more than eight hours a day on screens. And the recommendation that comes up, um, and again, this is based in research, is that if we can limit our screen time to about an hour a day, we see anxiety really go down. Now, Jeff, you know, as an educator, if we're asking folks to change behavior, if it's a small tweak, sure. But a major, it's a major jump to go from eight hours a day to just one hour a day. So our free guide, I think, is sort of like a bridge if we do want to shrink some of our social media use. It's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen in a week. I think a change like that or a shift like that is going to take multiple different recalibrations. Yeah. And I really think it starts with that conversation about what are you noticing in terms of your own mood, your own emotions when you've had a really big social media binge? How does that actually leave you feeling, right? Um, versus, you know, I find it's really useful even as an experiment. If I, I love Twitter, like Jeff, you know that about me. If I just set a timer, like I give myself eight minutes and I'm scrolling through, I'm checking out some of my favorite accounts, the alarm goes off, I'm done. How do I feel then? Did I get what I needed? Absolutely. Versus, yeah. whoa, that was 20 minutes. Yeah. That's not so good, right? Yeah. So again, the free guide sets folks up to have some of those experiments because um, again, if you're a teen who you're spending eight hours that's an awful lot of time, but that's a really strong habit, right? So you're going to have to dig into some of the different environmental factors, like what you were talking about, that idea of are some of our meals going to be tech-free? Yeah. And it's going to be really hard, I think, to go from if you're not doing that as a family to all of your meals tech-free. So do you just start with dinners? Do you just start yeah. with like three dinners a week kind of a thing. Um, so again, I think there's a, a lot to be explored there and it's not a one-off conversation. It's multiple conversations. So we do hope that free guide exploring our relationship with social media is useful. Listeners, if you use it with peers, with your class, with your family, we would absolutely love to hear back from you. You can send us a voice memo. Uh, Jeff and I have talked about this several times. When you head to shiftingschools.com, right there on the homepage, if you'd like to share your thoughts about 
that free guide or anything we've talked about on this episode, uh, please do send that to us. We really do love hearing from listeners. And we won't just air it in an episode. We always check with folks and say, hey, do we have your permission? You know, Can we share this? Do you want us to share it anonymously? Do you want credit? Um, so send us your thoughts, even if it's just for us to know or Send us your thoughts if you would like to weigh in and uh, have your your thoughts and your questions air publicly on a future episode of the podcast. Yeah, and over in the show notes, we'll make sure uh, I did just was just interviewed for uh, the Authority Magazine where I talked about this. The uh, title is on raising children with healthy social media and digital media habits. We'll make sure that the link over there, I kind of give you an overview synopsis of the six part framework called parent. uh, So you can dig into all of those and and just kind of see, see what that is. Um, I mean, one of the ones in the framework that I'm really big on um, is the, is the nighttime charging. You know, there's no need for any kid to have a device inside their, you know, in their room while they're sleeping at night. And I think to your point, Trisha, a lot of it are, are, there's little micro tweaks that you, that we can start making that seem big at the beginning, but they're really micro tweaks that can lead to really big outcomes. You know, you're not going to jump from eight hours to an hour, but how do you make a couple little micro tweaks that get you down to six and then they get you down to four? Right. And we'd make micro tweaks. Um, I'm really into this micro tweak thing mm-hmm. because it's working for me when I'm running, when I'm running, all of a sudden my body hurts. And I think to myself, what's a tweak I can make. And all of a sudden the pain goes away. Like you do like a self-analysis as, as I'm running, I'll do a self-analysis like, Ooh, I'm not doing this correctly. And as soon as I make these little adjustments, the pain goes away and I can run farther and my catch my breath again. Like, and so I'm really into this idea and I, I'm using it in my, I'm using it in other parts of my life as well. S- social media. I make micro tweaks all the time to my notifications on my phone. And part of the reason why that's one of my things is I don't have any notifications. I don't get notifications for new email. I don't get notifications for any social media accounts. I get no notifications on my phone. And it's amazing. I only go to Twitter when I want to go to Twitter, not when Twitter tells me Trisha posted something, right? And so there's just these micro tweaks that you make that all of a sudden you, you do, you feel different, you feel better. You can, you can do this. So. And what I love um, about that, Jeff is, you know, I think, I think we give, when we're talking about social media, I almost think we focus too much on teens and not, you know, it's not a balanced conversation in terms of the impact we're seeing with adults as well, because, you know, I, I think I've, I've been in that trap where like, Oof, my relationship with social media, with my devices isn't great. I need to make adjustments. And I actually think if just like you did, if we're being more transparent and having those conversations and not saying, hey, just because I'm an adult, you know, I've figured out completely how to master this. No, right? It's tricky and we continue to make adjustments. Um, and, and again, I think that's why this conversation is, has got to be when schools are doing that educational piece think about the whole community, right? Because this is an issue that impacts all of us. Um, And I think just sharing those experiments like you were talking about, those are really great conversations to model. Um, Because I think if there is a teen who's struggling with their social media use, who do they want to talk to about it? The person who said, oh, this isn't a problem for me at all. You know, I don't, no, 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 I, I never struggle with this versus the person who says, I had to figure out that if I had notifications turned on, it wasn't working and here's what I did, yeah. right? It's they've also learned from those mistakes. Um, yeah. because I, I think we we're not perfect with this stuff either. And it's something that we also have to work at. And that's a great message, I think, for teens is you can yeah. try out strategies, right? 
Well, and it hits me every time I get a new phone. Every time I get a new phone, of course, all the notifications are turned on by default. And it like, I, I am overwhelmed. Just, I can't believe how many notifications you can get in a day. It really blows my mind. Uh, as we're getting ready to sign off though, just a couple other things for educators. If you're looking and you would like to, to bring me in or have a conversation over, over zoom, or maybe do something, uh, asynchronous, if you're looking for funds, do reach out to your PTA or PTO. A lot of times they have funds to bring you in. And if it's not at your school level, also look regionally and at the state level. Um, it might even be to a point where there is a state PTA conference in every state. Uh, maybe reach out to them and see, I can come in as a presenter, as a keynote speaker to at the state level. I've been reaching out more and more and, and getting contacted more and more through, through that lens as well. And the great thing is, is if I'm already there to do the conference, and your school is pretty close, I can also do something uniquely for your school for a lot less because somebody else is paying airfare and uh, hotel fees and stuff. So just be thinking about, there's some really creative ways and I can support you with that too. If you just reach out, again, you can go over to shiftingschools.com, fill out the contact form. uh, Or if you're a newsletter subscriber, uh, click that 30 minute free, what is it? Free Zoom meeting, I guess you get with Jeff for 30 minutes, right? I don't even know what it says in the newsletter. It just says, contact me. I think it's, uh, yeah, book book a time on my calendar. Book a time, that's book a time. Well, Trisha, thank you for letting me rant a little bit about this new framework. I'm really excited about it. Uh, again, we'll put the link over to uh, this, this latest article that was written about it um, and some other questions around social media and, and ways that we talk about, talk about this stuff. Appreciate it.